Man, I can't believe I'm 39 episodes deep to this shit already. 39 episodes. 30 fucking nine. This is 39. <sighs> Feels older than me, and I'm 35. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm creeping up on the the fi- episode 52 because I do it every week. So once I get to episode 52, that's the year mark. Mm-hmm. 52. 52 weeks in a year. That's true. Yeah, but I except I skipped a week, so it'd be episode 51 technically the year probably, but <laughs> it was a yeah. tough week. All right, we don't talk about that week. It was a bye week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we got a bye. Yeah. Uh, but John, thank yes, you sir. for coming on to the throne. I appreciate it, man. Uh, very welcome. Thank oh, yeah, you, you for having me. Go ahead and take one of them business yes. cards. You can take a couple if you want. You know, if you know people, I'm really uh, for someone who has a show where they talk for an hour. I am not a sociable person. I feel you on that. You know what I mean. So uh, we can enjoy this awkward experience together. However, this is my first, and this is your 50, no, this is your 39th. Well, well, actually, what the people may not know is that I had a podcast before this podcast. Uh-oh. And the cat's out of the bag. Uh, it was about Yu-Gi-Oh. Oh. <laughs> I played Yu-Gi-Oh competitively Yu-Gi-Oh. throughout like, the high cards, school. Right? Yeah, the cards, okay. bro. <laughs> I don't know if they had a digital version. They, um, I'm sure they do now. I think it's called like, they have like a phone app now, but I don't know. I don't play that shit. But yeah, I was doing that. So I had a podcast about like the meta game of Yu-Gi-Oh and like whatever new sets were coming out or they would come out with ban lists so you couldn't use certain cards, whatever. And I actually had mm-hmm. one episode that had like a thousand views on it. True. So, you know, but so if you add those like eight to the 39, I have like 47 or some shit, whatever. But, uh, yeah, this is 39, I appreciate you coming on, man. No, and this is your first podcast? You've never done anything? Solo, yes. You've done I, I've done podcasts before in like two other bands I was in. Okay. That were like all together, you know, so a little different. You can be a bunch of weirdos, you know, and disorient the host. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, with your inside saying. jokes, you know. You but now it's just like, up, huh? uh-huh. yeah. Now it's like you catch us off guard, and you're just like, uh, uh damn. <laughs> <laughs> it's just me in here. That's right. <laughs> exactly. There's no one. To, I I don't feel in a in a corner. You know. I mean, mm. every time I have someone from Seven Sins, they bring you know they bring the whole posse. <laughs> you know True. what I'm saying? Hi, Leah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they rep. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to everybody from Services, Javier, and, uh, you know, uh, everybody out there who came on to the show. But you're, like, the newest member. Can I ask, like, how that came about? Is that under wraps or what? Um, no, it's not really under wraps. Uh, Emilio and Diego, the bassist and vocalist, Emilio, um, yeah. saying they just respectively chose a different route of creativity. You know, they weren't feeling the Seven Sins vibe anymore. Kind of moved on. And we were... I was already rooming out with Alex. We are roommates. Uh, the newer guitar player for Seven Sins. Wait, Emilio the singer? Mm-hmm. E- Emilio left. I, I was roommates with Alex, yes. Oh, man. So it's now just Javi, Frank, and me and Alex. So it's a four-piece now. Uh, Luani, we're still kind of a you know on the fence as to whether or not he's going to be coming back or be around but he's definitely like still talking with us yes but yeah he's still uh you know talking with us and we're still hanging out you know i haven't hung out with him yet officially but it's still new to the family 
you know. So you're going to be doing some backup vocals as well? Working on that, yeah. Okay. That's <laughs> cool, man. So it just came about you, you've you seen Seven Sins when they started back in the day, or you recently caught up with them? No, I've, yeah, I've known who they were for a while. But um, honestly, I've never really been around to spit, pay much attention to them because, you know, when you're kind of in a band, it's kind of hard to pay attention to everyone who's going up on stage, you know? So I could never really say I honestly heard them yeah, yeah until no. i was like oh i'm in this band oh okay now i really gotta listen what's their song oh wow that's their song okay i heard that the other day <laughs> you know like yeah. somebody may have shared it or something that i heard but yeah yeah that's pretty dope i mean they're one of the um you know bigger bands in the scene right now they they play up north in north florida a lot hmm. you know what i'm saying that's actually uh one of the spots i want to hit i know Ears one's been up there uh, i think it's called uh, verona verona yeah so that's definitely a spot that you know it wants to hit up at some point so i always liked uh seven since they always try and get us shows up there you know they always show mad love like they're always trying to help everyone out yeah. always you know what i'm saying good dudes javier and frank so uh is the bass like your main instrument or do you play other stuff bass is my main instrument yeah uh i yeah, been playing bass my whole life, really, since I got my right first hands Right out the womb, huh? Yeah, straight up, man. Slapped, no. Got slapped by I, the doctor. I was, <laughs> handed you I was like 12 when I got my first bass. Oh, okay. And so just learned from there. Yeah, 12, 13. That's and I played cool. like two or three years on my own, just kind of like learning, playing like to the Beatles, you know. Or, uh, yeah. Uh, I was catching on to Nine Inch Nails and like Deftones and stuff. So Okay. You know, this is like 93, maybe, 94, 95. So, just like, yeah, little me. Did you, um, I know they had magazines that brought, like, tabs and, like, sheet music sometimes. Were, were you, like, big into buying those, like, the Guitar Pro magazines or whatever the fuck they had? I, I bought them mostly for the articles because I wasn't following tabs. I never learned uh, sheet music. Right. So, I kind of play by ear. Everything is kind of like I go by vibe or by what I'm seeing or hearing, you know, never really read sheet music. Yeah, no, I was um, actually the same thing when I, uh, I started playing drums around 12. I, I took like, I think, two or three lessons, but the I wasn't feeling like the, the vibe there. Mm. Like, I didn't feel like the teacher cared that much. So I just kind of was like, I don't want to go back, but I kept playing the drums by myself. I was like learning covers. You know, you learn different mm. covers and stuff. You pick up techniques from the different drummers you're, whose songs you're learning. The different touches, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, like learning uh, the song, um, I think it's called Breed by Nirvana on yes. Nevermind. Like, the, it opens with that snare, the single strokes. Like, that helped yeah. me get those single strokes down. That's like, that's not, it sounds, I mean, it just sounds super basic, but... To get that single stroke down clean and on time, you know what I mean? You have to be on your shit. Oh, yeah. No, I. that's my favorite song to play drums to. Because drums is probably my second instrument of choice. Yeah? But that's why I got an electronic kit. Because I just had to. You I would, said you had an Alesis, right? Mm-hmm. Which one did you get? Uh, the Alesis Surge. Oh, okay. 
Wink. Shout out to them. Yeah. Uh-huh. Ding, ding. Sponsors. Yeah. It's all of us. Because we all love you, Elisa's. For real. I got the DM tech. <laughs> I like it. But uh, did you, is it, is it a good kit? Do you get a good oh, sound from it? I, I get a good feel from it. Uh, the sound, you know, you get the stuff that's in the box. It's, uh, everyone has their I'm opinions. Saying, does the module but... come out like a decent? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it. It was a, I think it's called like a, no, you said you have a D7? DM10. DM10. Yeah, yeah. yeah, mine's a 7, I believe it is, because it's definitely one of the lower ones. But um, it has it has a good sound out of it. I like it. I like the feel of the kit. I just don't like the feel of the symbols. Yeah. You, you the symbols don't kill the, it for me. You don't get the same satisfaction you get out of hitting a real symbol. No. And I sat at Frank's kit the other day, which he uses and leases for his triggers on his on his kick drums. Ah. Um, that's pretty much the only real thing that will, you know, hook up on the system at most shows. But he uses an Elisa's for that, and I was sitting at that kit with the with the symbols. That felt so great. Oh yeah, that's so liberating to have like real symbols to beat on and accents. Yeah, you know, like oh. Frank has a monster kit. Oh, uh, it's it, it's intimidating. It, I mean, I've never been behind it, but seeing those double kicks and. Uh, I don't know what it's called. Like that framework that goes around it. Uh, rack. It's called a rack. Cage. Yeah, I'm a drummer. You think I'd know that, right? But I've never uh, used one. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was going to say like your hi-hat sand tends to uh, shuffle over often. <laughs> you Dude, probably should get one. <laughs> uh, you know, it's not even that. Uh, sometimes it's it's the the stage that I'm on. Is that is that the only uh, the only time that you've seen us do a whole set? When you work the the sound at Renee's? No, I've seen you guys through a few sets. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah but that, mostly at Churchill's. That day, uh, my hi hat stand fell over. Like, it, it's come on, man. There's a hole in the floor. I it's think plywood. right under the rug, and it was like a pallet. Yeah, they be, not it was, plywood. It was a pallet. Yeah, yeah, it was like pallets underneath with a carpet rugs. over it. So wherever you put your drum stands, you're taking a gamble. <laughs> yeah, it was falling in. You had to get like perfect placement. One one leg on this plywood and one leg on this piece of wood, and there's no way you were gonna get that shit. Uh, that's you know charming. The charming allure of Renee's. Love you guys. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm just happy I didn't crack a fucking symbol, dude. Like I was expecting them shits to to break by the second time it fell over. I, I, uh, I don't know how I made it through that set. Uh, you just endure. Was it you that came and helped me and, and picked up the hi hat? Someone, uh, someone else rescue. had run in from the front. I was I was behind the the stage <laughs> where, they, where they put the mixer. Shout out to that guy, whoever helped me out. <laughs> what was? <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know who you are, mystery hero. But you're, you're the reason that uh, you know that we keep on going. We fight every day for people like that guy, the guy who picked up my hi hat like three separate times the same set there's a future in stagehand work for real that was, that was quick <laughs> yo I, I we need to sign that guy as a roadie right now mm-hmm. get that guy he's a professional you know we should start you know people who want to volunteer in our local scene who might want to help out at shows you know things like that that can get stagehand experience experience so that's where we're headed out now yo it's for yeah. the uh, exposure all the bands are gonna know you're really good at picking shit up <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Check it out, check it out. I'll let you carry shit from my boy Seven Sins. But first, you got to do my gig, all right? You start small. You start small, kid. Then you get to move shit for the big guys. 
I mean, yeah. how else you convince? You just gotta pay them, really. Yeah. Uh, I wonder how much like, like these roadies who uh, like when we went to go see Slayer, Lou, like that set, that setup they had with the Eagles and the pyrotechnics and all that shit. Someone's gotta pack that shit up and put it somewhere at the end of the night. <laughs> like, how much do you think those guys uh, get paid? Do we know? How they're much probably roadies local. get paid? No, most I don't the, think they're local. Dude. Most of the crew is probably hired as local. I don't like, think so. They get hired, like they get told like a few days before, and they're like, "We need you for this date," and then they show up. But there's a traveling crew, of course, that knows the setup. But then they're gonna get extra hands to probably be directed and come in. All right, you gotta tow this up there, whatever. You know, I don't know. That actually would make sense, but. Because I know they travel with engineers. They have to travel. 200 and 400 per day. Um, Damn. Per day? Unions. So I'm I'm assuming like the the 400 per day. That's like like Guns N' Roses Use Your Illusion Tour type Mm. fucking setup, dude. Stadium, packing up a stage where Axel can do like a full sprint end to end. Like that? Have you seen footage from that fucking tour? I mean, you were no. around from that. T- you haven't? I probably have, but I just don't recall it by memory like that. What What are some of your favorite bands from that time? What time? The nineties. Because I mean, I know you can say GNR's mm. from eighty seven, from the eighties, yeah. whatever. But Use Your Illusion one and two came out in ninety one, mm. and th- that that album, th- those two albums were like, I think one of the or two of the best albums of that decade, in my opinion. You know what I'm saying? November Rain, Don't Cry, you know what I'm saying? Estranged. These yeah. are these are hits. Yeah. I, I, I like Guns N' Roses, but I didn't necessarily... I guess when my ear got caught onto like the heavy sound, it wasn't that. It was Metallica and Korn that kind of twisted my, my metal my metal arm, you know. I was like, here, listen to this. Yeah. Like I got exposed to Metallica's Ride the Lightning and um it was probably like the obsession with that. I would hear a few other bands here and there, but it was it was Ride the Lightning is what I always went to. And then Korn's Life is Peachy became the one that caught my ear because I had their demo uh, that they put out, which was called Niedermeyer's Mind. Like it was a cassette, and I picked that up at his record store out here in North Miami called The Blue Note. Right. There, it's no longer there anymore. But that's they used to have like a box of just tapes that would come in. People would drop them off there and shit. And that was one of them. Heard that, and Life Is Peachy was the album, and I grabbed that. So I was like, "This is sick!" Like I was yeah. totally enamored with those two albums. Nirvana was up there for sure. But I was listening to a lot of Corn, especially Corn. <laughs> so the new metal sound kind of caught your attention more than anything. Yeah, and. Because of the influence of my relatives, I would say. Um, my uh, cousins were really heavy into the hip-hop scene and the hip-hop culture. So with that influence coming into it and I was uh, getting caught on to that sound, you know, like I was saying, like Deftones. Like, their Deftones was kind of the reason I wanted to play bass. Right. You know, so when Chi departed from this world, I was definitely, you know, moved by that. You know, rest in peace, Chi. But, is that uh, their bass player or something? Yeah, that was their for, their original bass player. Uh, oh, okay. He was if you would look at old pictures of them, he was the dude with the long dreads that you would oh. see in their old pictures. So he was one of the founding members of with the band. Okay. But um, when did he pass? 
mid 2000s or late 2000s he uh he was in a coma for a while i forgot if it was from an accident or a disease uh induced Shit. uh coma but it, it was it was pretty bad for a while and they were doing like benefit concerts for his medical stuff and everything and then they you know eventually he departed you know that's some but uh tough shit yeah but he he's a sick bass player and it's it sucks because there's a lot of people from that era that i feel never got the recognition that they should have got you know like uh wayne static for example never you know? heard of him you know <laughs> so static x i've heard of the static x yeah so the lead singer wayne static oh, uh, okay. you know he died like what two years ago like two years ago or so he passed and um he was doing like a solo tour or something and he was still going i mean static x was like his thing you know everyone knew him for that static x was like uh changed my life in a way too because well they did because we did shows with them uh my old band did uh we were called encode and we did three shows that i did with them the band did a fourth show when i wasn't in the band with them but um, I met Wayne, and he taught me how to put my hair up. Whoa. You know? <laughs> so, you know, there was, like, that interaction that I had with them, which was a blessing. And then to see that and hear that this band existed, you know, like, they challenged, like, everything regarding mainstream metal music, you know. That's fucking cool, dude. Yeah. How'd you meet him at a show? Yeah, as we would just be booked for the shows, so... Oh, you were in the band and you opened for these guys? Yeah. What band were you in? The band was called Encode. Encode. Yeah. What year was this? Uh, so probably around like 2000, between 2004, 2005. All right, let's talk about Encode. So um, you played bass? Yeah, I played bass in Encode. Um, we had a very heavy-handed support from Jägermeister. Really? So, yeah. You had uh, a sponsor? Yeah. How? It, and it wasn't even a musical one. Like, that's Gosh. what I'm saying. Like, it makes you think. You got sponsored by <laughs> Jaeger. So, how did you, how the fuck did you guys swing that? Uh, well, our manager at the time was really helpful in that. He had his connections. Yeah, we we tried to make sure we get, we're going to do everything right, you know, because here in Miami, a lot of the bands get neglected. You know, so we're not really getting the foot in the door into the industry, you know, so we got to kind of do it ourselves down here. It's, yeah. you know, you notice the the attention that's seen in the industry out here. It's not really there for this music, for this genre, our it's genre, not. which is metal music. Yeah. As broad as it is, whether you're rap metal, industrial metal, or metal metal, or black metal, you know, but... um. Yeah, no, he hooked us up with that, Jägermeister. We would pretty much just throw their names on all our shows, and you got all the local alcoholics coming out to all our events, you know. And we would just play shows up and down, like from here, like up to like Daytona, back and forth, up and down East Coast, just playing shows. Like, we'll do six, eight shows a month. Whoa. Like, we did that for about a year, maybe, just up and down. Yeah, and once in a while it would be with like a Jaeger artist coming down. You know, it'd be Static X being coming down for a show, or it'll be Mushroom Head. Um, was a band we played with a few times, uh, Motograder, which is Ivan Moody before Five Finger Death Punch. Oh, okay. So, which I love, Motograder. Never heard of him. 
not big on the five finger death punch. They're good. They're good. They're talented. But I, it's Motorgrader is. I, I love Motorgrader. Special. That's the band you know him for. Yeah, mainly. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Vocally is totally different. Much more range. You know, five finger death punch is straight up just growly. He's just up there metal. You know, with like a few hooks. But Motorgrader, he was different. It's like almost tool, tool like for him. So it's like a progressive melody, kind of uh, Maynard style vocals. Yeah, and they had an instrument called the Motograder. Oh, is that why they they, they named the band that? <laughs> yeah, apparently. Yeah, it was some weird contraption. I couldn't tell what it actually, how it worked. Motograder. Yeah, that sounds pretty fucking cool though. Yeah, like too- for a metal name. Yeah, it's too bad we're not like on like a like a FM show where you could be like, all right, we're gonna interrupt the like the cast and then just play like these bands that we're mentioning to expose them to people you know and it'd be like oh like like kind of go down like a metal history you know because i'm sure you know fear factory is fear factory uh i've definitely heard of them you're you're too young for that era ah yeah you're you're too young see yeah we that's that's what we got to get you're not that much older than me little you piece Uh, of shit yeah but i know about this (laughs) but the ears though you know uh, and also exposure you know everyone everyone keeps talking so i'm just giving them shit yeah but but no i've talked to us old guys you talk to us old guys yeah we hear we've listened to a lot of stuff big and mighty yeah we listen to nirvana and deftones but i but the thing is my like i i knew a lot of kids were into the alternative stuff but i was always into the darker sounding stuff so i was like morbid angel and sepultura while everyone's like green day and nirvana right right you know right. pearl jam no nah. You don't like Pro Jam, dude. They have good riffs, you know. You tripping, bro? <laughs> there's like, there's like a big four of like that that era of grunge. Are you are you only into like the new metal stuff from the '90s, or do you like the grunge era? Too? Oh no, I like the grunge era too. So yeah. you don't, but you don't like Pro Jam. Nah, I like Soundgarden. Soundgarden, is cool. love Soundgarden. Who's uh, the other one? Alice in Chains, right? Alice in Chains is good. Lane Staley, man, that that guy's got a fucking voice on him. Yeah, and the new that's guy, another guy who died, bro. Yeah, well, he died like way back when, though, right in the nineties. Was it? Yeah, I don't think, I think it was Lane too Staley. long ago. It must have been early two thousand. Nah, dude, because because they didn't have a singer for a long ass minute, bro. Yeah, ninety eight. Wow. Yeah, see, told you, he died a Coignon. long. Yeah, twenty years. Yeah, shit. I didn't know he was dead that long. Yeah, he died of a heroin overdose, I think. Uh. Right? Sorry, Lou. No, I'm actually curious. Uh. But you know, I, you know who did die of a heroin overdose that I know for sure, which is fucking ironic in my opinion. Uh, uh, Brad, whatever his name is from Sublime. Oh yes. The singer. Yeah, man. He died of a fucking heroin overdose, and he would always talk about how he only smoked weed. Uh, you know, that's why they call it the gateway drug, I guess. Do you believe that <laughs> shit? People like that. He, he died of a mixture of heroin and cocaine. Uh, Lance Staley? No one has a speedball. Ah, okay. Uh, it was speedball. Well, rest in peace, Lane Staley. You were a real one, bro. Yeah, you left your mark, bro. Yeah, he was a savage. Uh, man, we lost Chris Cornell. Was it this year or last year? Last year. Man, that... that, that... Last year in Chester, this year. 
it's terrible. It is terrible, dude. Because Chester, the Meteora, dude. That was one of the albums. That was one of the first albums that I bought, bro. I mean, I, I was always someone who like I grew up listening to rap. Same thing. Mm. Like all my older. Uh, kid friends or whatever were all into hip hop and, and whatnot and Eminem and the movie Eight Mile and shit. Um, but I uh, I branched off a little bit later, like around fourth or fifth grade, discovering like softer shit like Nickelback. <laughs> Yo, man, and we all had a Nickelback phase, all right? Nickelback I, has some good songs. I I. Uh, inadvertently, I, I did do for high school because you know in high school you had to get like community service hours. Yeah. Um, I kind of manipulated the system in a way that would benefit me and my own interests. Okay. Where I found the way, where I found out that Roadrunner Records at the time was looking for um, um, uh, street team members and crew. And I pretty much sent them a letter that I was like, look, I'm a high school kid looking for community service hours. I just kind of wanted to see if I could work for you guys for the street team and just get hours for it. And they're like, sure. And they just started, they asked for my address, like uh, pretty much in the permission. They just started sending me boxes of tapes, uh, CDs, stickers, whatever, just promote for their artists and stuff. So I was actually promoting uh the Nickelback debut album that they had, like their single was like "Leader of Men." Yeah, I think it was, and uh, the other side of the tape had a song called "Breathe." I think it was. I think that was a song. <laughs> I don't remember, but like, yeah, I was like going out to local shows with the boxes in my arms. Sometimes I'll have a friend with me, and we'll just be giving out the tapes to people after their shows, like when people are coming out from the event. Whoa. So, like, here, go to your car. Here's a CD, or here's a tape that we had. Uh, yeah, the the last year that I did it, because uh, I did it for like for them for like a year and a half or two. Yeah, and then the street team kind of turned into an independent thing where each band started running their own, you know, camp for the most part. So it was like this is through the label, and uh, yeah, that was fun. Uh, we did like Soulfly when Soulfly first began, like their first album we promoted for that. Like Whoa. I'm like high school getting out of class at like 2 30 i'm like all right gotta go home get my box of tapes and hop on a bus and like get to this show up in sunrise somehow you know and promote that's fucking know. cool dude. So, community service hours for the event and i mean you would basically like be in the know for like with the new up-and-coming bands and yeah. who's gonna be hot and whatnot it was kind of super rewarding i mean roadrunner records that's a big fucking deal and now it's super metal <laughs> really? <laughs> That's I mean, yes. Yeah, you had Slipknot, Fear Factory, Typo Negative were on the label. Uh, Sepultura was still on the label, along with Soulfly as well. Machine Head, you know. Oh, oh Machine Head. So, Man, sad, sad news about Machine Head. You know about them uh, breaking up and whatnot. They, Machine Head's broken up. Yeah, they, they, they turned this last tour into a farewell tour. No way. So that last show they did in Florida. Oh. That lineup that's gonna be it. I feel worse. I could have put off packing for another day. Yeah, producer Lou went. <laughs> he said it was a great show. He was sad. He cried. He did. He's he's shaking his head. He didn't cry. Would you have cried? Is that one of the bands that you like? I liked them, but I, I probably wouldn't have gotten emotional like that. I did get emotional when I first saw Nine Inch Nails. 
Really? Yeah. What's Nine Inch uh, Nails mean to you? Well, that was because of the creative aspect of it and the fact that uh, Trent Reznor uh, kind of represents like a, kind of like the mentality of like, look, you kind of like work with enough people. You kind of were like, you know, I'm going to work on my own. And that's what he pretty much did. Because if you look through like his history, he tried other projects with other bands with other people. And it wasn't really always working out. And so he was like, that's it. Doing my thing. Nine Inch Nails, you know, whatever. And whoever's with me is with me. And he pretty much carried that name, that brand, to where it is now, you know. And, yeah. I mean, he got picked up on that. And that's why uh, he got signed to the, the label that he did, which was a, was a Flip Interscope that signed him. So uh, Jimmy Irvine. Let me, uh, let me ask you this. Like, I mean, completely... Like turn the subject uh you've been a part of the scene here in south florida since like the late 90s right yeah going to shows and checking out did you did you ever get to see marilyn manson before he blew up because i know he he's like famously known to have played at churchill's and whatnot yeah and uh, i was not in he was not doing the the shows that i could have gotten into at that time because there were mostly 21 and up shows right when i was like interested in the scene and then that's when he blew up uh that was like yeah 94 was antichrist i think or no 96 was when antichrist came out uh so yeah i was like 96 is when i would started to gone to shows before then yeah i wasn't really going to any local shows i didn't really know anyone it was my friend who worked at a cd store who met another person who was like come see my band and that is uh eddie eddie rendini uh eddie the kid who pretty much sucked me into the local scene uh he 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 died two years ago as well uh he's the guitar player for daron's waiting room and he later on actually was the guitar player for cold oh okay. you ever heard of cold i'm not sure i haven't no the they're also like a 90s new metal band but more so on the gothy side like i would say they're more like a smashing pumpkins kind of but oh, with a, okay with I a love voice smashing pumpkins. with a voice that's not so pitchy you know do you like smashing pumpkins i love smashing pumpkins but okay. i am observant he, he billy corgan has a pitchy voice he does have a pitchy voice but i i i like pitchy voices now i've grown a tolerance to it after glass jaw I like. I just like them in general. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. No. Go, uh, go on about your buddy. Oh, Eddie. Eddie. Yeah. No. So he was the manager at CD Warehouse, and he was just like, "Come see my band. You're gonna love us. You're gonna think we're great." And uh, my friend who worked at the CD store was like, "Look, my boss is nagging us to go out to his show. Can we? Can you want to come with me, please?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure. We'll go check this out and see like what like a local show really was at the time." Yeah. And he was really stoked that we showed up and um yeah they put on a really good show which i which blew my mind i was like i didn't know this could exist i was like listening to like corn and you know just getting to like limp biscuit and all that you know rage against the machine and that sound i didn't expect to find that in my backyard with a band that no one's ever heard of you know like yeah most people will go out to a local show and they've made listen to the type of music but then if you go out to the place that has like a great sound system and a great sounding band you're gonna be like whoa <laughs> this is local music yeah no i you agree know? like that's i honestly feel that way when i first saw you 
Okay. The very first time I saw you guys, I was like, if this was my first first local show, I would be like, holy crap, you know, who like, this is a great local show. Like, this is a great band, you know, like, where can I see you guys next? Right. Yeah, I appreciate that. But um, you don't you don't get many bands that strike that anymore. You yeah. Know, most people are kind of like a. Yeah. They're kind of I don't know. There's I, I the I've heart. seen a lot of like less effort being put in by certain bands like people are disheartened you know that they they feel there's a lack of support for art and the community kind of thing so you get people who are just kind of hanging it up you know and just kind of like not even really caring much anymore and it shows in in most venues yeah (laughs) there's less people that come out it's harder to get people to be interested in a show like Unless you have your show has like some kind of um, theme behind it, you know. I see uh, certain promoters, you know, what I'm saying, doing shows that are themed to get people to come out, or like Halloween shows. A lot of people are taking mm-hmm. advantage of that just to have an excuse for so something different. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. wear a costume or whatever, get a drink, some shit like that. People are having different ideas to try and capitalize off of that but yeah if it's just like a regular show like just come check out these bands people are gonna be like why yeah it, it's not like a showcase anymore no you know it used to be like what well, like what the apollo theater was you know in, yeah. in new york it's like a showcase and people would go out all the time to see and hear what new talent and it's like we kind of don't really have that here not at all really no, I don't think we a lot ever of did. Open mics well, at least since I've been around, <laughs> <laughs> those don't fucking count. No. But as long as I've been around, I mean, I've been doing the. the I mean, not I've haven't been around long at all. Just two years that I've been with Unoya, but I haven't seen that where it's just like a showcase. I've seen actually the only thing that I've seen like that really is Oski recently that we were on. He did. Uh, it, it was called Churchill's Live. Mm-hmm. And you know he had on different genres, and a good I think like ten acts, and they were all like some of what he considered to be some of the 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 more standout acts yeah. that are around right now. Which I thought that was really cool of him to do. But again, that's kind of like a theme. He yeah. themed it as like a showcase of local talent, which I think if people did that, maybe it would be. I think it's easier because yeah. it's a. Uh I think in the in a in a way, all of us may not uh, always admit to it, but we're not all strictly uh, like I don't strictly only listen to Meshuga, for example. And like I, I made a post earlier in the, in the day that I was like bouncing between Meshuga and Oingo Boingo. Now, if you're familiar with Oingo Boingo, yeah, that's yeah. Danny Elfman's band, and that's yeah. straight up like '80s, you know, '70s Synth. cheese, like synthy, like you know, yeah. like. Saved by the Bell type stuff. <laughs> Almost. Yeah, everyone but, has their different tastes. You don't yeah. have to be stuck on one genre. And I feel like when people go to a show that they know is strictly geared towards one genre, you're already pushing their ears away in a way because that's a lot of abrasive guitars to the ear if you're just getting like six straight metal bands to the face. You yeah, know, that, that, that can a get a point. little tiring to most people where you start to see after two or three shows that casual crowd kind of dwindles, you know? And the yeah. only people sticking around are your your friends, your mates, the musicians, and 
You mean after like two or three bands play? Yeah. It's that's kind of like all the ear can really take, and especially if the sound's being run Poorly. certain ways. Yeah. So I agree. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think um, just people should. I'm not saying this like uh, in a in a bad way. People, I, I would love people to come out to shows, but no. if you're going out to a metal show, you got to know to bring some form of ear protection. That's true. Yeah, at O'Malley's this past weekend, I saw a Feral Lux. Yeah, it was their farewell show, which is everyone saying farewell. Our next show is a Loaded Guns, their farewell show. But uh, yeah, Feral Lux so is saying all these goodbye. Bands are like retiring, basically. Yeah, they're all pretty much hanging it up. Um, some of them are still going in other ways, you know. Other members are still going in other directions, you right. know. But um, I think after a while, some bands feel like they are not worth upkeeping, or they're probably trying to fish for that, like, uh, like Kiss, our last tour again. Kiss. All right, this is our last tour again. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, okay. wait, wait. We got another tour coming up, and that will be our last That's tour after tour. this tour is finished. For real this time, guys. Yeah. 2018. So, and, th- and that usually spikes interest in people. Like, all of a sudden, people are like, oh, wow, like a uh, ministry. Uh, they announced the From Beer to Eternity tour was they're going to be their last tour. And then uh, all of a sudden, the success of that tour was like, uh, eh, you know, keep this going a little bit longer, you know. And, and he was getting more chemistry with the guitar player at the time because he was hanging it up because his guitar mate that he worked with for so many years was he 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 had passed. Oh, see, everything happens because someone dies. Yeah, I mean, Sucks. imagine what would have happened if Metallica stopped after Cliff died. Ugh. I mean, they only would have gotten through Master of Puppets. No Injustice, really no Black Album. It would have been really weird music no with the Reload. music world without Metallica. Without Metallica after Master of Puppets. Mm. Which I think, um, I mean, Master of Puppets, that's a pivotal album in their mm. lineup. I mean, a lot of people like Injustice for All better. Yeah. But I think Master of Puppets is probably their best album. It's yeah, It's a heavy hitter. It's their best album. Yeah. You can't tell me there's an album better than Master of Puppets. Leopard I will Messiah. argue with you about Ride the Lightning. Battery. Yeah, but Ride the Lightning is different because there's more. There's a lot more cliff. A lot exactly. more bass. Like a lot exactly. more bass solo and instrumentation. But Master of Puppets was... Well, there was some solos. Cliff did have some riff. <laughs> but yeah, no. The Master of Puppets is probably the heavier of the two. Yeah, I think so as well. I mean, Blackened, Dire's Eve, those are those are awesome songs. I'm not going to yeah. deny that. That's when fucking Lars Ulrich had motherfucking chops. Like, he was the man. But now, he, I, I would be surprised if you could play those songs. Have you seen Lars Ulrich drum recently? Uh, no, no. I'm sure it's painful to watch. Yeah, he, just, he loves riding that China. Oh, because everyone else is... Poor guy. No, it, it, it's <laughs> I, I don't blame him. You know, he's getting up there in age. <laughs> but I think it's just it's one of those things. He's gotten to that point where like he's just playing just to, for the money, and like he doesn't practice. He says he doesn't practice. Yeah, he's so, playing on the feel of it. 
Uh, and I mean, they're, they're playing old material. I mean, they're playing some of the new material, but when they're playing songs from like, you know, like I've heard them play Damage Inc. or like random old songs, like relearning material you made when you were in your 20s, in your, what, 50s at this point. It's probably not the easiest thing, so I can't, I can't mm. give them too much fucking fault. That's true, yeah, because you're going to write based on your age and your stamina. Exactly. Your anger. He's probably not as angry as he was before, you know. I think by master by, by the time they were doing Ancestors for All, they probably made money off of I mean a lot of money off of Master of Puppets and Ride the Lightning, right? At that point, they 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 were already famous as shit. When did they start their fan club? I think that's what you'd have to ask because that's their, their fan club has been like their biggest support. Like, I have a friend that's been like in their fan club. For as long as I've known him, really. Metallica <laughs> fan club. Like, he's still in the fan club. You pay, like, a yearly subscription fee, and they'll send you, like, a yearly shirt and a yearly, like, little thing for you to have for the fan club. A little sticker and stuff, you know? That's fucking cool. Um, there's some, like, some bands who still do. Uh, Incubus, I think, still does it, too. Like, fan clubs. Corn, they do it. I don't know if Rob Zombie does. Lincoln Park does. Cool. I mean, like you, you, you give the band something, they give you something physical, something feasible. It's like a, it's like a Patreon almost. Yeah, yeah, Patreon before there was Patreon. Which is probably where the industry is going to head for a lot of artists. You know, just to keep uh, to keep something going on a day to day basis. You know, I may think about getting on Patreon. I think about it. I mean. <laughs> People like the podcast, you know, if you want to support, throw us a couple bucks a month, you know, I, I give you a, uh, a phone call or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, you, uh, I give you a uh, shout out on the episode. I don't know. Something well, like that. Maybe, That'd be cool. If maybe allow it in the studio guest or something. No. <laughs> no? <laughs> like, come watch you behind the scenes. You want to give me a hundred bucks a month? Sure, I'll give you an episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Not for them to be on the mic, but just to be there. Just to be standing the guests, there, huh? to be hanging out in the room with like uh, one of their favorite artists or somebody who you're interviewing. That would be, you know, sounds like I would get a weirdo though. No, well, it would be mostly local, so we're all pretty weird. It'd probably be for Joe. Someone <laughs> would want to be in the same room as Joe. Yeah, that guy's a fucking character, but he's fucking great. I love Joe. Joe from Macronium. Yes. Singer, my corn brother. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh yeah, he he's he's really into corn as well. Is uh-huh. that your favorite band? I w- I would say that that was that was for a long time running like the band for me. Like everyone associated corn with me for a very <laughs> long time. Like they're just calling me Corn John, or uh, people still say I resemble Jonathan Davis. You know, I and, see it, and I yeah, I tried to. I try not to sing also because of that. Cause like, I can, you try I, not to sing like him? Yeah, like because yeah. I, I can sing like Twist, you know, or like do the the inflections he does. I can freak on a leash. Right. Like to that caliber, but then it's just like when I do do it, it freaks people out. We're like, wait, 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 you look like him and you're singing like him. Stop. Yeah, you are. You so are I try his not doppelganger. To. It's weird. It was the weirdest thing. It kind of followed me around when I got into them. And I was like, that's all right. You know, I didn't know. You know, I didn't see it, guys. I don't see it. And then all of a sudden, Jonathan Davis dyes his hair black. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, crap. 
Now you see it. Because <laughs> his hair wasn't black for a long time. It was blonde. It, it, right? He, so he had like blonde. a he had like a reddish brown color to his hair. Like I had to study it because I was like, wait, all of a sudden I look like someone in this world. Like I was weird for me. Like all of a sudden I looked like somebody. Well, although I did get a lot of uh, people who thought I looked like Mr. Bean. <laughs> Mr. Bean? Yeah. Rowan Atkinson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who Mr. Bean is, but really? Yeah. I don't see they, that. They would, they would probably because like when I was in uh, middle school, my hair was really short and it would just kind of be always kind of had like the Beatles kind of thing the to bowl it. Cut. And, yeah. And then I would give like facial expressions sometimes where like people would think I was like Mr. Bean, like giving them eyebrows, <laughs> you know? And. <laughs> I get, that was a I get thing, it. yeah. Because he's very expressive with his face. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you were talking about how getting back to like the music aspect of it, mm. uh, like how you know you got to branch out and listen to other stuff. Like you were listening to Oingo Boingo. Like, what other genres of music do you like other than metal? Like, uh, like non-heavy stuff or whatever. Oh, non-heavy for sure. I like reggae. Reggae is like the okay. first like. That's for sure. I can't really name many artists because I don't really have a favorite. I just look for like what channel really that comes up. It's usually stuff is recommended to me, but dude, uh, reggae is what I go to, especially for the bass lines. Do you also like <laughs> ska? I like ska, some ska music. I follow like Voodoo Glow Skulls. It was a band I liked a lot for ska. Smash Mouth is cool, you know. <laughs> oh, come on. I, I wouldn't even call that a they, fucking ska band, bro. Well, they they pioneered it for sure. What? Like them and like Mighty Mighty Boston. Pause, pause, like. pause. <laughs> no. 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 They Smash did. Mouth did not fucking pioneer motherfucking ska music. You can't tell me Smash Mouth came out before Sublime did. Well, no, not that I'm not even saying before. Sublime pioneered it, but Sublime was definitely ska. No, no, but Smash Mouth was like more like Offspring ska, and then Sublime uh, the is offspring more like is. I wouldn't even the, call the Offspring ska, aren't they? Like no. grunge or alternative? Yeah, they're, they're punk. But what I'm saying is like Sublime is not as rock oriented. You know, like Sublime is very chill. You're gonna. That's like they're a borderline reggae band. <laughs> But that's what Sky is. Yeah. Sky is kind of like sped up reggae, isn't it? Yes. Well, by definition, they some people say if you just have trumpets in it, it's Sky. <laughs> but there's reggae with trumpets, so. Like, Uncle Boingo is going with Sky music. Except they have xylophones. That, that, you need the trumpets. Nah, but, um. No, no, no. I, I don't. I don't. I consider Smash Mouth like a like a pop band, if anything. They are pop. Dude, you yeah. know what I mean? Like I wouldn't. I just wouldn't put them. Well, in the ska genre, and I definitely would not credit them with the pioneering of ska. Well, in just my like opinion. just no, like fuck how that, that's fact. Because it's like how how Limp Bizkit takes the credit for ruining rap music, rap metal, for example, because they're trying to rhyme Nuki with Cookie. <laughs> and that just kind of ruined the genre and like it, it made it harder for a band like Linkin Park to be 
on that mainstream. But the thing is, they could part put out really good stuff, so you couldn't keep them down. They also, but, I mean, yeah, they became way bigger than Limp Bizkit. Yeah, they got they were headlining tours, and Limp Bizkit was opening for them. <laughs> That's like the beauty of it. Like even Corn actually opened for a Lincoln Park tour. Lincoln Park is it was, know, was huge, man. I mean, they still are. You know, they, and they they deserve it for real. I'm a big fan of of Lincoln Park. So you're not a big fan of hip hop or anything like that, right? I am. I like oh. I locally at least I do follow like uh, my friends who are local MCs, and then when it comes down to like what I grew up on, I did like Beastie Boys and House of Pain were kind of like the two that I followed. Not because they were the white guys in the game. It's just like that's what my cousins and stuff would listen to is that and a lot of a uh, two life crew you know trick daddy like back in the day dude you know it's so fun yeah you know what's funny about trick daddy hmm. uh i used to work at this gas station over on county line road <laughs> and trick daddy yeah. would come in all the time <laughs> that's his area dude yeah. and literally uh <laughs> Like, he would just come in, and I, I didn't really recognize You know, he's older now, you know what I'm saying? So I didn't really recognize him, but I, I, I saw an interview he did with Vlad TV. I think Vlad. it was Vlad mm. TV. And uh, I was like, yo, I've seen this dude before, man. And so he came in one day after I saw that interview, and uh, he ordered a pack of uh, of Dutch Masters off me, right? So I'm sitting there working the counter or whatever, and I'm like, Yo, trick. He's like, yeah, man. And I'm like, oh shit. So I'm like, yo, eat a booty gang. <laughs> Cause yo, he had a whole campaign about how you should eat a chick's ass, right? <laughs> so like, everyone always would. Every time you see him, you know, the whole thing would be like to ask him about it to see if he would get mad. But he was actually super cool. He was like, yeah, man, eat a booty. That's right, man. You gotta eat the booty. I was like. Uh-huh. That's what's up, man. <laughs> like, yo, Trick Daddy's actually a cool ass dude. Like, he he, he, he didn't mind taking pictures or nothing. Nah. He came in all the time. I never asked him for a picture. Nah, he's he's cool. I I worked as a bar back at a club in Miami Lakes for a little bit when I was trying to work the high school gigs and having high school money for myself. Yeah. And um, he would come in like towards the end of the night usually when most of the people have left and he would kind of hang out after hours while we're all cleaning up and it's like him and his boys just playing pool and they'll shoot like some extra money to the bartenders you know for keeping their drinks coming even though while we're all cleaning you know so he (laughs) it was it was pretty cool to to like see that that he wasn't like one of those people that would come out and expect a red carpet he would kind of treat the employees at the at the bar there like we were the ones you know doing the him the true service you know oh and it was really cool uh reciprocation you would get there from them which you don't get from many celebrities i would think because i was dissed by fat joe in a way really i don't (laughs) doubt that but what happened there tell me that story because uh fountain blue had just reopened and live was becoming like a new that was going to be announced as like the new spot you know and all that and I was uh, dropping off a friend of mine to go get some coffee because they had just opened up a Starbucks inside and while I'm there there's this tall white big dude just standing there and he looked in his face his physique was smaller than Fat Joe and I wasn't that uh that attentive to where his uh you know his body weight was at the time you know i don't watch read tabloids or anything right right, right. so 
I see this guy and I'm just sitting there in my car, my my friends inside. I'm just like, dude, you look like Fat Joe. He's like, yeah, get that all the time. Then I find out, like after my friend gets in the car, we pull off and she even was like, yo, that guy looked like Fat Joe. I was like, yeah, I know, right? I even asked, you know, whatever. Fat Joe was performing at Live that night. And when I saw like the pictures that came out, like on the New Times or whatever, I was like, dude, he's wearing the same thing I saw him in. And I was like, dude, he was just, like, I don't want to consider it a diss, but it's like, man. That's pretty. He didn't even I, tell you he was. Yeah, I wasn't going to chase him for an autograph. Like, I guess he wouldn't know, but I was just going to be like, well, you know, I don't, I would have just been like honest. Like, I don't know your work, but like, I just hear good things, you know. That's, That's all I funny, even hear, dude. but you know. I heard. I I don't know if this is true, but I heard Fat Joe's one of those people who like if he wears a pair of shoes, he only wears them one time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a that fucking ridiculous, stuff. dude. Like that's it, yo. That's it, man. Wardy's once donate him. I don't know. I don't want him. Damn. So he must have like a parking lot somewhere that's just filled with like shoes just of really nice shoes too. They're like barely used. And you can sell them on eBay as like brand new, basically. I'll start a store, yeah. <laughs> uh, is that uh, so what I was getting up asking? If you like other genres, was like, do you have a favorite non-metal artist? Favorite non-metal artist? Oh, hmm. You never thought about it, did you? Well, I mean, uh, uh, other than the Beatles, I fall back on oh, usually. Oh, yeah, the Beatles are the fucking shit. like, I, I grew up on the Beatles for the most part. Uh, my aunts and my uncle later on came into my life, like, through later on when, she, when he married my aunt. They were all really heavy into that sound, into the Beatles and everything. Even my own mother, my own father, like, everyone liked that, so... You know, also, my father was, grew up mostly on, like, jazz. You know, he liked Ray Charles a lot. Oh, um, fuck yeah. He even has Duke Ellington records, you nice. know, like, old jazz piano stuff. So, like, I have that from my childhood. But, yeah, Beatles is something I would say is definitely, like, in the heart for sure, you know. What's your favorite album, dude? My favorite album by the Beatles is Rubber Soul, man. Uh, uh, that's... So I like the Revolver album, but I really love the uh, Sergeant Pepper. Sergeant Pepper. Because yeah, that's like that's like the album where it's just like they just really did not care what anyone had to say about anything they were doing. They just busted out with a uniform look. They busted out with a crazy sound. The one that was like what like just a few months before they were still wearing tuxedos and stuff, walking up on stage like all proper Beatles. You know? Right, right, right. All of a sudden, like, whoa, what kind of drugs you guys are on now? Like, what's going on here? But, and even their lyrical content changed. It was not so much lovey-dovey, you know, be at my side. It was more like, think about, like, the spirit and thinking about politics. You know, like, the two things that are pretty much weighing on everyone's minds. Politics yeah. and, uh, I guess some people think about spirit stuff. For me, I, I really uh, like the bands that took a a stand not even a stand but like decided to get political with their lyrics like mm. that's what made me really appreciate Pink Floyd mm. uh, if you listen to their song not even their song their whole album Animals I mean the song Dogs it's like it, it, it's it's a perfect representation of 
how some people decide to carry themselves in pursuit of money and whatnot. And it's a 17-minute long song. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, they went deep on that shit. And they, they were experimenting with phasers and synthesizers at the time. And I think that album came out in 77. You know, I mean, a decade after the Beatles had revolutionized there. And, and probably they were probably the first ones to use those weird synths, right? Did they use synths at all? I don't recall. They use a lot of synth work. Uh, I'm pretty sure Paul McCartney may have later on solo stuff. His oh, stuff yeah. was more poppier. I like uh, Wings. Who? That's the I think that's the name of the band Wings. that he did, yeah. Paul McCartney did and Wings. Yeah, I think it, it's called Paul McCartney and Wings. I don't recall. I just Wings. thought it was always just Paul. <laughs> no, no, no. I, yeah, I think I'm pretty sure. Right? That's uh, the, the they made a, a band on the run and uh, Jet. No. You haven't heard any of these songs? No. Fuck out of here, dude! Come on. No, cause I, I was I was sucked into like the George Harrison. Stuff. Oh, okay, I love the George okay, Harrison okay. material when the, for the solo stuff. I mean, he did write like some of their best songs. He wrote uh, "While My, My Guitar, Guitar Gently Weeps. Weeps." It's uh, like the first song off everyone's lips. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, "Here Comes the Sun" was his. Oh, was it? Yeah. Didn't he write something? Uh, something I think is Paul McCartney's. I think. Word. Something in the way. She, yeah. That God, that song is fucking. Uh, nah, I think I think that's George, bro. I think I George know. wrote that. I think. But uh, that think song is a it, masterpiece, yeah. bro. That yeah. song, uh, for no one, I really like on Revolver. Mm. I mean, I could go on and on about the fucking Beatles. But um, I got recently. I got really into like indie music, mm -hmm. uh, Arctic Monkeys, The Strokes, uh, the Tame Strokes. Impala. The Strokes. That's a. F I'm trying to remember the song they did that was on the Jay and Silent Bob movie. <laughs> oh shit! Is it The know. Strokes? I probably. Uh, not. Do they have a song that's like how many people want to kick some ass? No, that's not The Strokes. <laughs> that is not The Strokes. I'm thinking some band. That's. I know that song. I know that song. How many people want to kick some? Yeah. Is it called The Strokes or is it called like Stroke Nine? Maybe is the name of the I, band. That, Stroke Nine. Yeah. Is it? Stroke okay. Nine. Yeah. Uh, Very close. Name but association. Not even close. And would have failed that. It's like close, challenge. but you just like just missed it. Just because they're different genres. Yeah. But I, see, like that's a, that that band. It fell into a weird category. There's a couple bands that all sounded exactly the same. Uh, some forty one. Oh. Uh, the movie have, soundtrack sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just all sound Yo, like a movie soundtrack. Everyone sounds like they have a a, a song in that that Disney movie Brink <laughs> yeah, the, with the rollerblades. Uh, and Neurosonic was another band that was like that. They had that uh, <laughs> that fucking just, poppy, just like movie soundtrack sound. Yeah, we I I did a show with them with uh, Reggie from Salamara. Uh, oh really? In a band that I was in with him, and it was like a battle of the bands, and it was also with uh, Pablo, uh, guitars for State of Solitude. Oh, okay. Uh, we were on a band together, and we played with Neurosonic. Like we, it was for a battle of the bands thing, and they were like the headliner, right, right, coming right. out to kind of like help bring some heads to support the event, and it was kind of funny because it was all the local bands. We were all like metal 
we're all pretty loud and heavy you know it's a pretty heavy show and all yeah. of a sudden neurosonic goes on stage and they're like straight up dude like some 41 sound like canadian pop rock uh. you know and i remember like they were tight I, you know, I'll hand it to them. You know, they like they could not lie to us because they were playing in a bar, like on the floor that we were playing, like at Churchill's with no PA system, really, like just the bass player, the guitarist, you know, doing their thing. Like it was raw, yeah. so there's no backtracks or whatever, and you could hear, like, yeah, some of those those poppy sounding bands, they can they can be pretty impressive. No, they're like, tight. They're tight. But it's not something I would go out of my way and be like, click buy. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah, it's not going to be everyone's forte, like especially to chill their money out uh, with how easy accessible music is now for free. Uh, what's the biggest crowd you've played for? I mean, if you've opened for all these like decent, like well-known uh, bands, the 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 biggest was at the 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 biggest show was the State Theater in Tampa. Uh, we did a show of uh, with Crossbreed and Mushroomhead, um, and that was like I don't know if you know the State Theater is it St. Petersburg actually State Theater St. Pete St. Pete Times Forum is what okay. it's called. Sorry, nice. I just think I named three different venues. To clarify, yeah, St. Pete Times Forum. That's okay. the name of it. Then in St. Petersburg. In St. Petersburg. And yeah, that was like at least like five, six hundred people that were like crammed in there because they had like three, four hundred seating capacity on the floor. Then you had balconies as well. So it's like the Fillmore. Basically, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. it was like. So we opened and then you had Crossbreed playing after us and then you had Mushroom Head like just headlining. Well, actually, I think Crossbreed headlined because it was their hometown. It's Tampa. Yeah. Crossbreed's a big. They're they're big in that era and that and from like that scene as well. Five to six hundred people, dude. Mm. That was what, tasty. what is it like playing in front of that many like people? I don't look up. <laughs> For real? <laughs> yeah. You just stare at your base. I'm just like, don't mess up. Rock out. Just don't mess up. There's a lot of people watching right now. Don't mess up. <laughs> That's all I think about. Cause yeah. I could it's it's easier when you're playing in front of like a room of like 10 people honestly like that's why I'm not too uh you know too too uh too disheartened by the local scene right. by shows turnouts and stuff like that because I do appreciate anyone who shows up period but like it is intimidating to play in front of a lot of freaking people when you're not used to that you know so I know people who are used to that, and for them, it was like, Psh, what you talking about? You know, and they go up on stage, and it's like an everyday walk in the park. But at least for me, especially, that was that was a that was a very fun and nerve wracking experience. Oh man, I, yeah. I just the adrenaline rush that you must have been getting, dude, walking up on that stage, seeing all those people. Uh, yeah. It's are you shitting what, yourself right now? Is that because because what it was like. Because, you know, you play, like, metal shows, rock shows. You always cut the lights out in the house. And what yeah. they would do is they'll beam the lights on the crowd. Yeah, so you just So that's all it is. So all you see is, like, hands. You're like, oh, crap. <laughs> you know, I hope everything goes right for this set. You know? <laughs> Fuck, Here's dude. to it. That sounds and, awesome, though. Yeah. It, and, that's, and that's why it's, like, that happened, like, years ago. And it's, like, you just still keep going. And it's, like, it's kind of like that feeling it's like a drug in a way 
you can't drop that feeling you're kind of sucked into that now so here i am <laughs> i mean just you 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 really can't man when it's something that you know that you want to do it's hard to give up on that uh i mm. mean musicians i mean you never have to stop playing your instrument but it is going to be a big difference when you decide to stop playing shows or stop writing material i mean that's you might i mean you know why play i mean you can play for the fun of it but mm. There, you're not gonna. There's no. There's not gonna be drive to be better anymore. That's that's why I think it's funny about people who buy instruments and they they just, they just sit in their walls, right? You know, or just they just bought the guitar, got it for a Christmas present for a loved one or from a loved one, and it wasn't something like a something they're pursuing, you know. But then you'll get exactly. a few people get together and form a little band or something, you know, do covers. I mean, I can appreciate that, if anything. If you're going to get an instrument and you're going to take the time to learn some covers, fuck, man, that's at least a stepping stone, you know yeah. what I mean? And you get some buddies together and do some Personal covers, enjoyment. fuck it, why the fuck not? That's what I did. Me and my cousin growing up, he picked up guitar, I picked up drums. First song I learned was Walk, mm. and he, he learned Walk, and we played Walk together, and it was just me and him. We didn't have a singer, we didn't have shit, but... I learned how to stay in the pocket that way, and it taught me how to jam with other people, you know, and I can hold mm. my own just with a guitar player now, you know what I mean? And that's something that, that's how I started, and that's how I learned how to drum. So, like, I've ha I've jammed out with Lou, Lou's brought his gear, and we've jammed out, and it was fun. Like, I can jam out with just a guitar player, which is, like, a good skill to have. Just, I, I, I don't know, I've never written a whole song that way, but... I'm assuming it makes it a little bit easier. You're like, yo, just throw a riff at me, and I'll I'll make a drum beat to it. Stay in the pocket, throw on some fills here and there. But there's some drummers who can't do that. Nah, they some can't. drummers who can't play on clicks either. I mean, you're not a drummer if you can't play to a click. I mean, that's the whole point of you got to keep the beat. But there's uh, some drummers who they can't just drum on the spot. You know what I'm saying? Like, throw a riff at them, and they're like, come up with a beat, and they're just uh, kind of lost. Yeah. Yeah, no. I think that's where it comes down to where uh, influences. Yeah. So, yeah, when, like, especially as a drummer, like, you, or a bass player even, I never kept my influence to one genre because of that. Because you would hear a band, like, uh, like, for, like, Rage Against the Machine, I would say, is a good example of a band that's pretty tight within the pocket type band like every player even tom morello he's like super precise as a guitarist but like you listen to the influences that they're all pulling from everything from like latin music to hip-hop music to like whatever it is indian music whatever sounds that they're pulling from yeah you know it's just why i don't I get a little bored if someone's just straight up just wanting to go on stage and just, all right, we're going to shred for about 20 minutes. Yeah, just one-dimensional. All the songs yeah. sound the same. Yeah. There's so no it's dynamics. like you got to throw a little dynamic in there, a little bit of culture. You yeah. Know? No, I totally agree, man. That's why I like a lot of the the bands that are out right now. They're, they're mixing it up. Um, but before we wrap it up, you you joined Seven Sins. You guys got any shows coming up before the year is over, or are you guys wrapping up? We have a show November 30th, so about a week from when this will air. Okay. So that'll be uh, at O'Malley's with the Loaded Guns for their farewell tour. 
nice. uh, their farewell show and i think this is like their actual actual last show okay and forever because they don't have any other dates booked i believe and this is just our last show for 2018 nice and we're gonna be trying to film a new music video uh before the end of the year have that out early next year for everyone and kind of showing like a new look because uh, we haven't you probably have seen a few of our recent videos or shows but we haven't really don't have the mask anymore uh we're kind of on the fence about what we're going to be doing as seven sins like what is in the future for us so stay tuned are we going to have masks or not <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking you know. cool man i i wish you guys all the best for sure november 30th at o'malley's come check out seven sins is gonna be a sick show uh as far as you know ya we are wrapped for the year we're going to have a sick ep that we're gonna be dropping uh before the year's over it's called a minor setback ep i'm super excited to bring that to you guys i'm gonna have on you know ya you know the rest of the guys on so we could talk about it do some promo for it before we release it and uh, that's pretty much what we got going on at the moment you know uh john i want to thank you for coming out is there anything else you want to plug anybody else you want to give a shout out to before we wrap it up for shizzle uh not really i would i would probably save those shout outs for maybe a return you know gotcha no for sure man <laughs> always down to have you back always down to have anybody back um but before we clear just a little plug here if you want to sponsor us email me the throne jc at gmail.com all right that's it so i wanted to tell y'all thank you for listening bye-bye everybody